It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Hey there, welcome to a brand new edition of The Undercurrent. I'm Tara Sloan, nice to be with you. This week we go a little further afield to delve into a story that blew up internationally over the past few weeks. Just before the hockey season kicked off, it was revealed that the NHL had sent a memo to the teams clarifying what they could and could not do as part of theme night celebrations this season. Theme nights being hockey fights, cancer nights, military appreciation nights, and most notably, pride nights. On top of the league putting an end to on-ice theme night jerseys for warm-ups and practices, which happened at the end of last season, the memo specified that rainbow-colored pride tape, an always optional addition to a player's stick, was also banned. So the theme night jersey decision was disappointing to many, right? But it didn't cause nearly the uproar the pride tape ban did. That was an action that many, including myself, thought was removing the right of an individual player to show support for the LGBTQ plus community. The media jumped on this and many of my colleagues started using their platforms to criticize the ban quite openly. And then the players started voicing their disappointment. Players like Connor McDavid and Brad Marchand and Anthony Duclair. Then the first player, Travis McDermott of the Arizona Coyotes, used pride tape on his stick in defiance of the ban. Everything came to a head. The league could no longer ignore the public's displeasure and the ban was reversed. My guests this week are Jeff McLean and Dr. Christopher Wells, the founders of Pride Tape. We talk about where it all began, how we got to this point, and where we go from here. Both were in Edmonton. Welcome, Jeff. Welcome, Chris. It's really nice to see you. Great to be with nice you. To see you, you know, we we might have been having a different conversation about, I don't know, whatever, 10 days ago, um, but... You have just come off a really fun weekend, it looks like, at the Heritage Classic um, and a different era of celebration. Uh, so why don't you just tell me a little bit about that before we go back in time and get to the history of Pride Tape? Well, the Oilers won, so everything is uh, right with uh, the world and uh, <laughs> the chase for the Stanley Cup is uh back on track but it was uh, a pretty uh, amazing uh, event and and to be celebrating the 20th anniversary of the first game in Edmonton I can tell you it was certainly a lot warmer uh, the crowd was was incredible was massive the the production was uh, uh, off the charts and you know there's nothing better than uh, playing a hockey game outside and and for those folks who aren't in from Canada it's definitely on a bucket list. It's if you really are a hockey fan, that's one thing you have to experience somewhere, somehow in your lifetime. But Pride Tape had a yeah, pretty really. significant appearance there. I mean, so I think it would have been, you know, had a bit of a different energy, um, you know, were it not for this band being lifted. Um, but here you are, George LaRock, you know, loud and proud. It's, it's so great, Jeff. 
Yeah, I'm, we were really lucky that uh, it was lifted, I think, you know, last week, early to mid last week, because all our friends from the NHL that we've been working with for the last six, seven years were coming in. So it was nice to be able to have, make it a little bit more celebratory on the weekend. And it was, you know, fantastic uh, seeing them again and also meeting a whole bunch of new folks, uh, you know, sponsors with the NHL and you know other members of of the league that we hadn't met yet and 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 different clubs and different uh, organizations all all kind of coming together i think early on on friday night uh chris and i had to kind of we, we called it divide and conquer because there was so much going on uh that chris was uh, was down at the the fan fest with with uh, Andrew Ference and a, and a lot of other of our friends and and then I was with uh, Kevin, our friend from Heroes Hockey uh, in Calgary and 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 certainly meeting up with a lot of uh, friends of his and so it was yeah it was just kind of the perfect storm perfect weekend uh, we're certainly glad that that the ban was lifted and we were able to uh, you know have conversations on a different level so it was fantastic. My yeah. feeling, and sorry to interrupt, Chris. My feeling, um, I, I, I really think the public at large, uh, their feeling, and I can imagine at this event, probably everybody's just relieved, Chris. Well, instead of people uh, protesting uh, outside uh, the game, they were celebrating, you know, inside in in the stands. So, um, you know, the timing uh, could not have been better, but. Um, I also think it, we can't forget that you know real harm was done by by the ban, and um, even though the NHL uh, was pressured to reverse the decision from within inside the league, and uh, certainly from fans all over the world, that um, you know it's going to take a while to rebuild trust and mm -hmm. to repair those uh, broken relationships. You know this should not have happened in in the first place. Um, but uh, we know that uh, many teams did not support the ban and are, are continuing to work very closely alongside their local LGBTQ plus communities. And, and that was the case certainly here uh, in Edmonton. We know that the Oilers were very proud to be the first team to introduce Pride Tape to the National Hockey League and the, and the sports world. And, and they made sure that they were showcasing Pride Tape all this weekend right alongside of you know, the, the NHL uh, Heritage Classic. So personally, that meant a lot to us that, you know, our our partners, the people who believe in us, were willing to stand beside us and and celebrate um, everything that uh, Pride Tape has managed to accomplish, which is, you know, in large part to all the people out there who are engaging and using Pride Tape uh, as a sign of uh, support. Why is Pride Tape so important? Because, you know, when I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I've always been a huge advocate. Um, and this band really rubbed me the wrong way. And I was quite vocal about it and on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. Um, you know, whenever I would post about it, people would say, well, there's more important things going on in the world. And you're talking about tape. And I would say, well, but this this is everything. This is at its core about human rights. This is about marginalized groups' rights to exist in the world, you know, which isn't that far removed from hatred, violence, blah, blah, blah. It, it all adds up. Um, from both of you, and Jeff, I'll start with you. I mean, why is Pride Tape in itself just as this representation? Why is it so important? 
Well, from the very beginning, Tara, that we were hearing stories of the important messages that the tape was sending without using words. There were young, you know, we were hearing from coaches, GMs, parents, uh, stories of, of young players that were leaving the game or were choosing not to come to the game because they didn't feel it was a safe space. Uh, very early on, we, we received a phone call out here in the prairies from a coach and GM who, who had to unfortunately go out to the train tracks on a Saturday night and, and rescue uh, a young man who wanted to take his own life. And, um, and thankfully, you know, when his teammates found out about that, they knew of the tape. They, I, I went down, I, I took a drive down and, and met with the coach and GM for a few hours and talked about it. And, and then they all proceeded to put the tape on their sticks to show their teammate that he's very much welcome on the ice and with the team. He's a teammate just like no other. And, and because uh, since the, the incident on the Saturday night, he had chose to, to leave the sport. And, and this was a way, a message for them, uh, for, for him to welcome, to be welcomed back to the team. And I think the other thing too, Tara, during all of this over the last few weeks, you know, we're hearing a lot of different opinions from all sides and, you know, for me, a lot of people were saying like, well, what's the big deal? Um, you know, they skate around the rink a couple times during warmups when there's no cameras on, there's no people in the stands, they toss their sticks over the boards and that's it. So what's the big deal? And what we've always said and felt is that it's not the act itself. It's the visual of the act. So the social media posts, it's not that Sidney Crosby skated around the rink a couple times with the tape on a stick. It was the visual of Sidney Crosby with the tape on a stick that went all over the world. So the fact that these young people could see their heroes uh, with this message of acceptance was a really big deal. And I think a, a lot of people involved in this didn't really see it. And I think they were out of touch with mm. the impact it really had. And, and, and a lot of people didn't see what we see every single day. We get multiple stories every day, multiple photographs sent to us every day on what this means uh, to people uh, to be accepted in a sport that they weren't otherwise before. And and it is a big deal, certainly a big deal to us, but but to so many more, we just say, you know, we make tape, you make it powerful, thanks mm -hmm. to you and others that believe in this, and and we're really grateful. Chris, what, what is the origin story in itself? I mean, how did it come from idea to inception to, you know, being out there in the world and the National Hockey League? Yeah, well, and it, it really connects to how I, I got to meet uh, Jeff and work alongside him and, and so many others who um were wanting to be able to support this vulnerable community and put their their amazing uh talents uh to work so to speak but uh i came i came into um the the communications uh company called Bateman at the time um and had uh, worked with them in the past and 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 the 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 leadership group there just created an open space to say you know really what do you, what are you thinking about and how can we help you you know communicate this research into actual change and impact in the community right you know that to get the the power behind the messaging and to get people involved and want to know more and and think about right the issues in a more deep deep way so you know the question that i came with was um, why are young gay and bisexual boys dropping out of organized team sports sports at much earlier ages than their heterosexual peers, right? We knew that there was a problem. And a lot of that 
problem was uh, the culture, right? The culture of the locker room, the kind of homophobic or misogynist or sexist language that you often hear that's casually thrown around, that it has real consequences on who feels safe and who feels included. And, you know, you think about the, the great potential we're losing, whether it's the next Connor McDavid or the Sidney Crosby who just drops out because they feel that there's no space or place for them in the game that they love. And so, um, you know, we, we took this, the, the research question or the problem. And then uh, and Jeff was the creative director at the time. And he came back with, uh, you know, the concepts uh, uh, to address the issue. And once I saw, you know, Pride Tape, I was like, immediate, that's the one. Because I knew that, you know, how do we take um, a complex idea and make it simple for people to understand? And that was just the beauty of Pride Tape, as Jeff said, you know, you can signal you're an ally without having to say any words. And mm. so from day one, you know, we learned that it was never our goal to have everybody to use Pride Tape. Like we only wanted the people to use it who knew what it was about and were willing to stand behind it, right? We didn't want quote unquote fake allies or people who were being performative about it. And and the real power, right? It's never just been taped. The real power behind really Pride Tape is not only the visual message it sends, but it's the conversation space it engenders, right? To know that there's somebody here that you can go and talk to. There's somebody here who supports you, who believes in you. Um, that's the real power, right? That it just only begins with wrapping your stick. The the real possibilities uh, are endless from there. And and so then when we had this idea, right? Um, since Edmonton's a hockey town, uh, we thought, well, let's start with hockey. And and we had established relationship previously with Andrew Ferentz, who a little fun fact here was the the first team captain of any professional sport in North America to march in a pride parade, mm -hmm. and that was here in Edmonton. And he did it because he knew he had privilege, number one, as an athlete. And number two, he had a platform and he, that would bring attention. And But Andrew said he only wanted to do it if it wasn't going to be about him, right? He didn't want the attention to be on him. And I said, you know, come march with our young people, right? And that's the message that they have allies in sport. And there are people who care about them and believe in them. And, you know, that that really was picked up all, all over um, Canada. You know, that simple act of what it means to be an ally, what it means to use your privilege and platform, you know, to do good, to amplify and uplift the voices of others. And so, once we had this concept of a pride tape, we went to Andrew and said, you know, like now, how do you, how do we make it possible? And he gave us a lot of really good advice uh, at the time, first and foremost saying, you know, you got to work with the NHL. There's no way you can work around the league, right? They control almost everything a player wears. Did you talk to Andrew? I mean, Andrew now works for, for the NHL and he does great work in terms of growing the game and, and making it more inclusive. Like, I just personally have a hard time thinking that Andrew would like what's that would have liked what happened. Um, I have a hard time thinking that somebody like Kim Davis would have liked what happened. Did you have any conversations with Andrew while this was going on? Uh, well, I certainly saw, chatted with him on the weekend uh, when he was in town and many of the NHL staff were in town. And it's, you know, it, this is this is always the tough issue when you're involved in the space of diversity, equity and inclusion and you're working in large organizations. Right. Sometimes uh, the powers that be make decisions that are not supported by, you know, people at the grassroots level who actually know 
right? The harm that these kinds of decisions can make and actually sets back so much of the important work and the ground that had been gained, not only on, you know, LGBT inclusion, but all issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion that, you know, the NHL was seen as a leader in sport by many for, for some of the groundbreaking work they'd done. And, and this was why it was so perplexing, because it sets back all of that good work that teams, players, you know, the league had been doing to reach out to these diverse communities to invite them into a space that perhaps traditionally they had not been welcome or felt safe or affirmed in that in that space. So um, there was definitely many people who were shaking their head, who were very perplexed by the decision. But, you know, ultimately, my perspective is that this really showed there's a massive disconnect between right owners and, and executive who hold the power, who come from a different generation than those players, right, on the ground, who um, many have grown up, uh, you know, around sexual and gender diversity, as we heard from players who have very personal experiences, family members, people that they care about and that they love, that they want to support, right? It's, it's in many ways, it's, it's not the same issue for them. And that's because, you know, society has progressed and evolved, but then you have decision makers, right, who are are very disconnected from the reality of those issues in their everyday lives, perhaps. I was uh, oddly optimistic throughout this whole process, uh, hmm. mainly because they, they, you know, our, our really good friends there at the NHL told us about this well in advance. So we knew what was going to be happening this year. So you know, we started getting prepared for that. But at the same time, we were getting, you know, phone calls, business as usual calls from from clubs and from members of the league of, of how we wanted to dial up every Pride Night in every market because, you know, the tape on warm-up, you know, they were very clear that this is, this is tape on sticks during warm-up on the ice only. Uh, so let's try and figure out other ways that we can incorporate Pride tape at other parts of the Pride Night and really dial it up and, and, and do it better you know, than ever before. But we, we also recognized and understood that you know, warm-up was a very, very big part of what we were doing, but we, you know, we were talking to clubs about activation on concourses and other ways to be engaged this year. And then also, you know, yourself, Tara, and 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 Ron McLean and and Brian Burke, when that when this, you know, when the band came out and you started hearing from, you know, major uh, important figureheads in the sport in hockey come out and speak out against the band, I just had a really strong feeling mm -hmm. that this this wasn't going to last. I will say that it. That it was overturned quicker than I thought, um, but at the same time, I, I just had a really strong feeling about the way every club was talking about what they wanted to do for their Pride Nights this year. That we were we were interested in looking forward to dialing it up better than ever. And I will tell you that about an hour ago, uh, before this call, uh, we we received all the information to send out all the tape to all the clubs uh, oh. today. So that going out to all 32 clubs as, as it is every year. And, and then obviously Travis Dermott played a very important role in this too. And, 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 but the interesting thing with Travis is that, you know, we started up a personal relationship back when he was with the Leafs and we just really, he was so passionate about using the tape every game that, you know, we didn't want the tape to get lost as it, as it did sometimes in the, in the bowels of some of these arenas and sitting on a shelf and, and uh, just getting lost that we said, you know, we, we'd be happy to send this to your home 
which he agreed to back uh, when he was in Etobicoke playing for the Leafs. And then, and then when he went to Vancouver, same thing. And then this year, uh, he reached out, I think it was even a day or two before the ban, and was just, you know, looking for us to, he was out of tape and needed to be topped up, and we were ha happy to oblige, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, there's a ban, and he's like, well, I'm going to use this every game anyway, so and we'll just see how that happened, and sure enough, a couple days later, uh, he has it on his stick, uh, his stick and everything changed uh, from that moment on, so yeah, big, big part of this. It was very impactful, and yeah, just to kind of continue along that line. First of all, I was also very proud of my colleagues in the media. Um, I thought more of them spoke up than I guess usually would or have often. And it's hard. I understand. Listen, I work for a team now. It makes it even more difficult for me to be honest with my thoughts about uh, the NHL the way that I used to, even though when I worked for Sportsnet, we were still a rights holder, but you know, it's a little bit different. I'm a little closer to the fire here. Um, so I'm very proud of my colleagues. I know that um, the entire uh, production at uh, the Calgary Flames game had all of their microphones wrapped. Um, you know, there were just all kinds of people out there using their platforms to to take a stand. What surprised me the most, though, you know, there's always the fantastic outliers like Travis Dermott, um, like Scott, Scott Lawton. But for players like Connor McDavid, um, to say something, you know, in opposition to the league. I mean, I, I see Connor taking more and more of a captain's role, but that's a big deal to me because it's when, you know, these are the people who can really move the needle. And when the Connor McDavid's of the world say that they don't really like this and don't understand what's going on, Chris, that maybe shows a, a greater culture shift in hockey in general. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And and when we roll this back even further, the, you know, what per precipitated this with the banning of the the jerseys and and not just the the pride jerseys, but all all uh special cause jerseys as as they're known. Um uh, I think what gets lost in all that is that the vast majority of players, right, right, over 99% support um these issues and they support bringing right um um awareness through hockey and and through um sport in, in general and and then i think that's also then what caused the backlash with pride tape it had been sort of building and more and more players were were speaking out right at the time of the jerseys and then at the time of pride tape so it does mean something when you know your superstars are the ones speaking out the the Connor mcdavid's the sydney crosby's but you know, when uh, the player who has the most to lose, like uh, Travis, as a, you know, a two way contract fighting to stay in the league is the one really leading the charge. Well, what, you know, tremendous courage uh, does does that uh, take? And uh, sometimes, you know, you you find your allies in places where you least expect them and 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 often with mm -hmm. uh, the people who have the the most to lose because they they know um personally firsthand just how important it is to to speak out and um regardless of the risk in, in some ways right it was a real david versus goliath type of battle um that we saw playing here and and also uh in a league where players i think are are sort of fighting back on more and more issues um and wanting to assert themselves more individually and uh 
um, I think um, we're only beginning to see maybe a wave of change that it, that is coming. Jeff, what well, are you? And I have to give. Uh, I have to just also give a major shout out to all you rock stars, uh, Tara. Like the <laughs> very cool thing that was happening throughout our journey over the seven years is when you know we were having you know we might be having some difficulty or wires crossed with the NHL early on, only just because it, you know. It's, it's a big organization and, and, and we're small and nimble. And, and uh, so we were working our way through the relationship. And whenever we were up against some, some barriers, we would, we would fall back to the grassroots initiative, which was always our original plan. And it was the younger people out there, the teams all over the world that would do something really creative and really special that would catch the NHL's attention. And then we'd get back talking again and just keep going further. But there's something, and, and you could probably tell us uh, being a rock star, but there's something about <laughs> musicians like this past weekend, uh, I got a phone call on Friday from, from Max with the Arkells. And he's saying, you know, we're at the airport, we're heading into town, we're on our way to the hotel. Can you meet us there with some pride tape? We want to put it on our instruments uh, for the for the party on Saturday night. And uh, I got to go down there and take pictures of them doing that. And I went on Friday and met, met with them. And then and then also walking into the game uh, on Sunday night and, and and getting the note from the rural Alberta Advantage. And they had wrapped it on their drumsticks and then and then getting uh, the message from Leandra from the beaches and them wanting to use pride tape as well. So, you know, there's there's never a shortage of people that care, that wanna mm -hmm. that wanna show uh, their support for this and and are willing to, as Chris mentioned, to have the courage and the and and take the risk of just saying, I don't know if we have to ask anybody for this, but we're just doing it. And we've seen that all the way through not only hockey, but through our seven year journey, we've seen it into baseball, in minor league baseball and even major league baseball as well. And, and certainly lacrosse and curling and cycling in Scotland. Like there's, there's been so many different groups that have, you know, supported us and believe that this is, you know, something that should be out there. And so when we're, we're hitting a bit of a lull in hockey, there's always somebody there uh, mm -hmm. to pick it up and pick us up and, and do something really special. And, and certainly I'm gonna find out eventually what it is about musicians, but musicians have been our strongest friendships and, and allies with uh, with the message, and again, back it's it's a way to put it on your instruments and 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 say you know have that strong message without using words. Well, musicians are the best people, you know. You know that that's my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, and we're also rebels, right? So I think that there's something about you know, no matter what we're told, we're probably going to try to do. I think the the right thing, and and if it's uh, anti the man, well, that's even better, I guess. Um, oh yeah, so certainly <laughs> getting to go down to the the Pigeon Lake Music Festival this past summer and 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 meet Biff naked. She had sent me a, a note as well, and she knew I was here in Edmonton, so uh, she said, you know, could could we meet? And and uh, of course, I'm halfway there before she even gets the question out. But uh, that was a real treat as well, again, because she's she's fighting for so many important mm -hmm. things and uh, just a wonderful person. So yeah, we'll, we'll always have, we're going to have to figure out where we go next with pride tape, but it certainly should have some musician supported uh, endeavor because it's been really amazing. I agree. Uh, Chris, something st struck me and I just wanted to ask you about the whole thing with the seven players last year who decided not to wear pride jerseys during warmup. You know, when you talk about, percentage it's a very small percentage 
um, a huge deal was made. And I for sure am one of those media members who is complicit in making it a big deal because I, in my heart, feel like if the NHL and a team is going to stand for something, it's everybody should stand for something. And for me, this is about welcoming everyone. However, the question that popped into my mind is, did we do a disservice by making too much of a big deal about the, whatever it is, one or 2%? Well, I think media and, and in particularly social media feeds off of controversy, right? So we're always, we're always looking for, right? Where, where is, where is the story? Where is, you know, the issue? Um, I also think, you know, it, it's, it's a combination of things. I think the fact when you, you, you're then sheltering and hide, hiding players from having to account for their behavior, right? That just sort of feeds in and amplifies things. But, you know, I come down to the fact in life, um, ask any politician this question. If you're, if you've got a 95% approval rate, you'd be laughing like crazy, right? That uh, most politicians get elected with, you know, 35, 40% uh, approval rates uh, with that or any corporation or things like that. So sometimes I, I do believe we have to, you know, look at, you know, the majority, look at where the good news stories are amplify those voices and maybe it's just because you know i identify as part of the the lgbt community i've experienced a lot of hate and discrimination you know throughout my life and i've seen it firsthand every every time i pop up in the media then you know the hate mail arrives in so i don't give it i don't give it time and attention i focus on the allies i focus on the supporters and you know sometimes we say in that that music metaphor um it's important that uh, we're continuing to grow the choir but we also want to make sure that uh, we're supporting the choir to continue to sing even louder and louder i'm not so um you know concerned with with those people who don't want to uh participate but i think part of that was just from the genesis of pride tape you know andrew farren's back to that he he told us right you know, don't focus on getting all the guys to use tape because uh, number one, they're, you know, hockey players are very superstitious and they have their rituals around, right? Their, their sticks and their tape. And even if they're supportive, they may not use it. So don't, don't take that as the wrong mm -hmm. kind of uh, message from the beginning. So I think that that's stuck with us. Go with the supporters, go with the allies, build the movement, build the momentum, right? Recognize that you're always going to have a few loud, angry voices. And, and the more you give them attention, the more you give them a platform and the more that you amplify that. But that's just the reality on every issue in, in our society. And, and I actually think that's a real problem that we have with social media right now. It's allowing those small, angry few voices to be amplified into, you know, greater and greater impact. Jeff, since all of this, um, you know, since Pride Tape became the center point of controversy, um, what has happened to awareness? I mean, I, I certainly, I, I never wish for this to have happened, um, but I know orders are off the charts. Um, you know, is there good that has come out of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it all started with the jerseys uh last year um when that story broke what was interesting is that i would say over 90 percent of the articles about the jerseys the visual of that article was a, a stick with pride tape on it so you know long before the jerseys we had become the symbol 
uh, because it's so visual on social media, we've become the symbol for, for hockey is for everyone. But when the Jersey situation happened the, the night after in, in, in Philadelphia, we received phone calls from pretty much every major junior hockey team in Canada and, and in the US. So all the CHL teams called and said, uh, we wanna have our first pride night, we want some tape. So we send out a ton of tape uh, for teams, not only in North America, but beyond in the UK, Australia, et cetera, wanting, wanting to have pride post pride nights. And, and we were sending out tape there. And, and then this time around with the, with the pride tape ban, uh, of, you know, Chris and I were, were on, I think, major, every major news outlet in the world, probably for about a week and a half to two weeks. And then that led to, you know, us taking orders last week, not only to sports teams, but we were sending out tape to uh, art museum gift shops around mm -hmm. the world and, and, and other venues that weren't sports related at all uh, that heard about it, obviously, through sport, but, but it just, you know, branched out to so many different venues and outlets and became a simple bigger and greater than hockey itself. So, yeah, I mean, we're a small, what people don't understand or know is that we're a small team of volunteers. Right. Uh, all the proceeds go back, go get rolled back into, you know, organizations or tournaments that, that are looking for tape, but don't have the, the money to buy it. So uh, one of our team members, Dean was working his day job last week. Uh, and so his mom and dad who are from Edmonton went out to Vancouver They're they're retired and they were packing orders all night and all day to make sure to get the tape out to everyone. So yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it's still flowing. It's still busy, but uh, not like it was over the last couple of weeks, but you know, sometimes we were, Oftentimes we say, you know, with controversy comes opportunity. And now people, you know, uh, that, that we still get messages every day from folks that say, this is fantastic. Uh, we've never heard of this before. And we've been around for seven years. So, um, yeah, I mean, we don't want to see things like this happen. But when they do, it's interesting to see the power of the people respond and, and overcome. So it, it's, it's been very, very inspiring for us. I want you to know I'm wearing my pride tape shirt. I just, I had, I didn't position my camera far enough away, but just so you know, awesome. um, so Chris, you talked about, you know, uh, mending some relationships. We all know that there are some teams that are all in Edmonton is all in. I am proud to work for a team that I know is all in coach. David Quinn said when the ban was in effect, that he would be all for a player wrapping his stick and they would deal with the, the consequences and the fines later. So I know that, that there are teams out there, many teams out there um, who didn't like the ban, who are really all in, not just in their demonstrations of pride, um, but in their internal education and really trying to shift the culture of hockey. Um, but there are some fences that need mending. Where do you start now? Well, that you you said it so well, right? This is about culture, and you don't shift culture with one practice or one policy, right? It's thousands of tiny micro practices and behaviors that shift culture over time. But so much of that has to start with leadership, right? Culture is the responsibility of leadership. And so leadership needs to see that there is an issue that uh, needs to be resolved and to uh, you provide the resources, support the people to do the meaningful everyday work. 
that is so critically and important. And to your example of, you know, uh, where you are with the Sharks and, and other teams that so much of that starts with reaching out and connecting with community, right? The communities that are impacted know what needs to be done the most, right? And they have the strategies, they have the solutions, what they don't have is the the access and the platform that the the NHL teams bring to us because right at, even through the journey of pride tape we've learned it it was never about the NHL right the NHL was in a sense the symbol was the visibility but it is about those 10 year old pee wee hockey teams and and finding support it's about uh, as simple as as this right if you're you want to know as a young person that the game you love loves you back and you know how do we how do we demonstrate that um but i think you know moving forward like i would personally like to see and i know this will be difficult and i i've been warned that it's still going to be difficult with this pride tape reversal but is the jerseys to come back um and and those were so powerful and they involved community in 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 so many great ways whether it was a competition to design them or showcase them or or have players wear them and we've already seen right already this season that Teams are still moving forward with their jerseys, even if they can't have them on the ice. The players are wearing them into the arena. They're signing them. They're auctioning them off. So, you know, I don't think that that will will go away. But at the end of the day, you know, the key to any change is education. So where are we providing, you know, the space and the resources to continue that education? And in some ways, you, you know, with the players that are in the NHL, uh, trying to educate them, it's almost too late. In, in mm -hmm. a sense, they've made it, they're focused really on their game, they're sheltered, they're protected, uh, the time is incredibly, you know, valuable. Um, it's to get those players who are coming up, right, and who are the ones, again, I'll give you an example, back in the day with Andrew Ferentz, right, as the team captain, you know, I talked to him a lot about education and the, the culture of the locker room and learned a lot from him. And he gave the great example when somebody was using a homophobic slur on the ice, Right. He didn't confront them on the ice in front of everybody else. But as the captain, he went into the locker room and he sat beside them and he simply said, you know, we don't do that here. Hmm. And that's what captains do. That's what leaders do. They set the tone and the expectation. They build the culture and they hold people responsible and accountable you know, to that. And that's where the real significant change happens. We need to, to focus on who are those leaders who are the ones, right, who have the influence, who ha command the respect, right, whether it's in the locker room or the boardroom uh, that we're talking about. And we need to equip them with the, the language and the tools and the resources to really be those inclusive leaders for the social change that we want to see. The world I needs more Andrew Ferences, that's for sure. Jeff, go on. Well, I think, yeah, I think what, another thing that we learned and the reason for for optimism is that the nhl was all in from the very beginning like two weeks in after we we created pride tape they called from new york and just said whatever it is you guys need let us know we're, we're all in we want to be a part of this and then the seattle kraken and, and the golden knights ordered tape even before they stepped on the ice even before they played their first game mm -hmm. they ordered tape so that they could have it in the summer for their kids hockey clinics and then another important point here too is that we discovered it wasn't you know the league or the team names or the logos it was the people behind it so individuals like joe altino when he was working for the new jersey devils made pride tape what it is and 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 made you know the devils have 
probably one of the best Pride Nights in the league, or Peter Lovins with the Columbus Blue Jackets. There was always at least one champion on every team that really made this happen. And, and, and then we have, you know, our friend Tim Shipton with the Edmonton Oilers. There's, there's always at least somebody driving it. Um, and, and that's why I think, you know, I, I didn't really worry too much about, about the ban or, or when it was going to be lifted. I knew it was going to happen and relatively quickly because of these strong people within the league throughout all the clubs. And that, and that happened from day one. I mean, uh, they, they first said, well, guys, just so that you're aware that it's not going to be easy. Uh, you know, there's going to be some clubs, there's going to be a little bit of resistance. And the, and the clubs that they mentioned were the first ones that called and said, not only do we want it in our rinks, we want it in every rink in the city. And we want to order as much to be able to handle that. And then some of the markets uh, that some people were nervous about are the markets that have had the strongest fan base support of Pride Tape. So it's been a really interesting uh, exercise. But again, the, the buy-in uh, from the NHL was right at the very beginning all the way through, which made the last few weeks so perplexing. Well, um, many of us are breathing that sigh of relief now. So the question is, um, you know, what is the the rest of the season going to look like? I, I know now all the teams have the tape. Um, has it so far only Arizona's had their pride game? Um, so lots more to come. I mean, what what are you hearing? Well, it was. We heard this morning that it was. It was too bad that you know the ban happened when it did, and because Arizona didn't have enough time to get their tape, which they wanted. So, so hopefully there will be another activation uh, throughout the season uh, when when the tape is there. But we're also hearing as of this morning and and yesterday and on the weekend with our friends that there's some pretty special activations and events hap going to be happening uh, with Pride Tape. Uh, with the league. So uh, super excited about that. But uh, every year we just try and do better, um, be out there stronger. And, and we have, it sounds like we have commitment from the league and the clubs to, to and working with us to continue to do that. So it's going to be a great year. Oh, are you both coming to San Jose for our pride lane? Is that an well, invitation? Yeah, <laughs> we, we're saying that, uh, yeah, it was in that the 27th of, of January, right? Saturday afternoon against Buffalo. That sounds right. Yeah. I had yeah, we, we, we most certainly like to be there. Uh, like like Dean and I have traveled. Uh, Chris has to come along with us. Uh, we tried to get to, to one different city uh, every year for their pride game, but COVID uh, unfortunately put a wrench into that. But uh, hopefully this year it can, it can be uh, San Jose. San Jose has been like for years i mean you know it you're there you see it right and uh but the the messages they would put with their sponsor rink boards and so many different activations and touch points with the club mm -hmm. I, I think that they're certainly at the very top as one of the leaders when it comes to to the pride night so yeah it, it would be fantastic to be there i happen to believe that too chris i would love to see you um just any any last words anything that you wanted to add I would I would just uh, echo uh, what we've been talking about. You know, uh, our 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 real job, right? 
you know, we we never thought we'd be in the business of making making tape, and it's never been about tape. But our job is to support those champions for change, right? The people every day who are working within these organizations, living in communities, who unfortunately are are still experiencing prejudice and and discrimination. You know, this is uh, all about them equipping people with the tools and the resources to use their power to use their platforms, to use their privilege, to, to do good in the world. Uh, I like to say at the end of the day, we get the communities that we're willing to build. And that te takes you know all of us to be active and to be uh, involved. And I always go back to um, what Jeff mentioned as our unofficial motto is, you know, we make tape, you make it powerful. Well, what an impact you've had. Um... I would say not just both of you, all of you, because I know there are lots more people involved. So uh, I want to thank you for everything that you do and thank everybody who's involved and also for your willingness to communicate. Jeff, you and I were talking all through this band and kind of trying to figure out what's going on and, hey, have you heard this? And you've always been just right there. So um, thank you to you both for this time. I know how busy you've been the last little while. Well, thank you so much, Tara. And I also just want to give a shout out and a thanks to all the young, the young people, the young players that are so incredibly creative and they've driven this, you know, people that will cut up their pride tape and put it into the numbers of their jerseys and mm -hmm. do so many other really interesting and creative things to, you know, inspire their peers. And, you know, they too, like when you talk about a Travis Dermott that's putting his own career on the line and having the courage to do that. I sometimes can't even imagine the courage it takes for these young people in, in the environments they're in and their willingness to, to, you know, speak about inclusion and try and help someone else out that's close to them. It, it, they are really the power uh, behind Pride Tape, you know, the grassroots movement to this and the young, the young players and the community uh, can't thank them enough. They're the ones that are really making this happen. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. I would like to profusely thank Chris and Jeff for taking the time to talk with me. They have been bombarded with media requests over the past few weeks. I'm sure they didn't need to hop on another Zoom, but I'm so grateful they did. Such incredible devotion to this cause. Um, you heard them say this is not their full-time day jobs, and it takes up a lot of their time, of course, because they know how meaningful it is. And that was just such intelligent discourse. So I am grateful for them. Um, grateful for you for listening. Thank you so much. And if you listen, you know exactly where I stand. I am all about making hockey a welcoming, safe, and inclusive space. Pride Tape is one way to do that. If you wanted to pick up Pride Tape or any associated merch, head to pridetape.com. But you know what? You can always just be an advocate and an ally in whatever way you can and whatever way you feel most comfortable. So whether it's wearing something on your shirt, um, putting something on your stick, or just being a good person, you can do that too. I will talk to you in a couple of weeks. This is Tara Sloan signing off. In the meantime, keep your fins above water.